Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for another opportunity to to stop, to stop from this frantic life that we find ourselves in and to, to come into this place of worship, Lord, and to seek after you. Lord God, there's so many moments of life that we fill up with trivial things, with the normal, everyday stuff that goes on in our lives. So much time that we fill up with anxiety or fear. So much time we fill up with selfishness, Lord. We pray that you would give us this moment to stop. To stop, Lord God, and to see this world through your eyes. To stop and to see ourselves through your eyes. To stop and to see you as you truly are. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us today. And that you would bring us into a deeper or a new faith in you, Lord God. Please give me your words to speak to your people and give us all your word that we might be so filled with it that it would pour out of our hearts and our lives, Lord, into this world for the transforming and the healing of the nations. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is so splendid to see you all on this glorious Sunday morning. Well, as many of you know, not long ago, the bishop came for a visit to the church. Right in there, this is always a cause of a lot of scrambling around and trying to get things put together, right? Because when the bishop comes, what foot do you want to, what foot do you want to put forward? Your best one, right? You want everything to look good, look like you actually uh, are doing something, you know, or you're actually doing something beneficial or, you know, leading the church appropriately or, you know, all that kind of stuff. You want him to see all the cool stuff that God is doing here in this place. Right. But this time, in addition to the normal kind of getting things together when the bishop comes, we had an added challenge because the bishop not only wanted to visit the church, he wanted to visit our house, the rectory. Right. He wanted to sit down and he wanted to talk with me and my family. I mean, what a gift to spend time with the bishop. What a gift that he would want to spend time with us and to get to know us better and to to express his care and concern for us and find out how we're doing. What a gift that is. But what a terrifying thing it is too, right? I mean, the bishop in your house, right? You've got to get ready. You've got to be prepared. Needless to say, it caused me quite a bit of anxiety, right? What would, he, what would he discover in my home about me? Would he be opening the closets, right? And, and looking at my disorganization system. Or would he be looking around in the backyard and finding my, my secret hoard of chunks of weldable metal that I keep just in case my welding project requires that little piece of rod or square of metal I couldn't get anywhere else except for if I kept it, right? Maybe he'll see that and he'll think something about me. Well, the reality was, what did he want to do? Just come and see us, right? Did he really care what our house looked like? No. He didn't care. Just want to come and see how we're doing. Check in with us. But needless to say, whatever his intentions were, there was an awful lot of preparation that went into getting ready for his coming. 
Now, in our reading from the Gospel of Luke, we're taken out into the wilderness to hear from this guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, of course, great friends with um, Mark the Presbyterian, right? And Simeon the Lutheran. Nah, I'm just kidding, right? Why is he called John the Baptist? Because he was baptizing people, not because he belonged to the denomination. There would be quite a few years before the denomination was created. That's right. And so um, John the Baptist is there speaking to crowds. Huge groups of people are coming out from the cities to hear John preach, to hear his message, and to be baptized by him. And he greets them with the standard opening sentences that you hear at almost every church service you attend. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I should try that. Maybe at Christmas. That's a good opportunity, right? Christmas to really kind of welcome people. It worked for John the Baptist. He had these crowds, so maybe that's the secret. Okay. Although that sounds harsh, that greeting sounds harsh. Um, I, have you ever tried it? I mean, maybe with the in-laws or something? or No? Um, it seems to be an accurate description of the human condition, though. Right, because what is a viper? Snake. snake, and it's a certain kind of snake, right? Poisonous. A poisonous snake, right? A viper is full of poison, destructive, right? In positive ways, I mean, they control the rodent population, right? But destructive nonetheless. And could that be used as an apt understanding for who humans are, too, or description of who humans are? Right, sometimes full of venom, destructive. Yeah, violent? That could be us. Therefore, John warns the people, um, because they are brood of vipers, not to depend upon their heredity. It doesn't matter if you're a local or not, or who your parents are, or where you went to school, because God can raise up heirs from what? The rocks. The rocks. He can raise up heirs from the rocks. He doesn't need you and your pedigree. He can raise up children of Abraham from the stones. Thus, it's not time for them to rest secure in some claim to privilege. They needed to be engaged and prepared. Because even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, this throws the crowds for a loop because they know. They know who they are. They know they are a brood of vipers. They know on one level they're trying to flee from the wrath to come. They know they're a tree that doesn't produce good fruit. And they can feel the blade of the axe against their trunk. They can hear the crackle of the flames. They know. They know the judgment is for them. And so they respond to John with this amazing question. What then should we do? What do we do? We can't rest on our ancestry. We know, we know we're not producing good fruits. We know we are venomous. What can we do? And John has a very interesting response to them. He says, 
Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. So his response is to do what? To share. Do you all like sharing? Some of you probably do. Does everyone like sharing? No. I don't particularly like sharing. You know, there are sometimes I really like it, like when I'm at a restaurant and like I order something and my wife orders something and hers looks a lot better than mine. Then I'm very fond of sharing. Or if I go to like Lazy Dog and I get this ice cream and my kids get another ice cream and theirs looks better than mine. I'm very fond of sharing. But what are the, that's not sharing, is it? What is that? Getting what I want, right? That's selfishness, isn't it? Just recoded. Oh, let's share. No, I don't really want to share. I just want what they have. Sharing. Especially the form that John talks about here, right? You give away that coat. Do you get that coat back? You give away that meal. Do you get that meal back? No. What if you need that coat later? What if you're wearing an outfit that has the different colors in it, right? And you're really going to need that thing. What about that t-shirt that's been sitting in my dresser for 10 years without being worn? What if I really want that? What if I really need it next year? I'm sure there's going to be that moment. Do you ever think this when you're going through your stuff? Oh, I'm sure I know I haven't used this in forever, but I'm going to. What if? What if that anxiety, that fear? Because in one level, we're told to be prepared by having more than we need, right? We're supposed to be prepared for um, power outages and things like that by stockpiling. We're supposed to be prepared for any kind of loss or destruction by having extras so that we have more to keep ourselves safe, right? That's how we talk about preparation often in this world. But John talks about a different kind of preparation. He says you've got more than enough food. If you have more than enough food and you have more than enough coats, if you've got two coats, so apparently one coat is enough, if you have two, what are you supposed to do with it? Give it away. Prepare by unloading. Prepare by removing that security from yourself and giving somebody what they need. In some sense, now this is kind of an interesting thing, John seems to be arguing that perhaps the reason his audience has two coats in the first place is to do what with the second? It's to give it away. Perhaps the reason I have two coats is so that I can give one to somebody else. In my mind, sometimes I think the reason I have two coats is so that I can have extra or so that I can have them for different situations or different needs. But maybe the reason I have two coats is to give one away. The reason for this, the reason I think about this is because the people are afraid. The people are afraid, wondering what they're to do, wondering why they would bear judgment. And it seems as though John is saying, look, if you want to be free from that, You've got to start to give away those things you're depending on, those things you're finding your security in. You've got to start letting go of those things you're keeping for yourself that you were supposed to be giving away. You've got to turn it over to someone else and to the Lord. 
Because these people were afraid. They were afraid of judgment. And so John says, give it away then. Share. Now, in addition, uh, his response to tax collectors and soldiers, which were two not very appreciated groups in his time. Today, we love tax collectors. But back then, they had a hard time with them, surprisingly. Now, his, his response to them is a very interesting one, right? Because he tells them just to continue doing what they're doing, but do it honestly. Do it honestly. He doesn't tell them to quit. He doesn't tell them that their jobs are inherently evil. He doesn't tell them to usurp the system that they find themselves under with the Romans. But to be honest. Don't cheat people on their taxes or extort money from them. That's what he tells them to do. And to be satisfied with your work and your wages. To do it justly. Now, because of his words and actions, the people wondered if John was the long-foretold Messiah, if he was the Christ, the one who would come and set them free. But John confessed that he wasn't. Rather, he was merely preparing the way for the Messiah. He was a forerunner for him. The Messiah was coming to bring in the harvest. The good grain the Messiah would bring into his storeroom, but the chaff, the husks, what would he do with those? Burn them, put them in the fire. Now, that makes two times in this passage that there's some kind of delineation from things that produce or the produce and the burnable waste. Two times that's discussed, two different images. Two times that things get thrown into the fire. Now, the clear message from John is to get ready because there will be a sorting. There will be a sorting. The grain will be separated from the chaff. The trees that bear good fruit will be separated from the ones that don't. And John's words, they weren't just spoken to these people a couple thousand years ago by the Jordan River. These words call to us across the millennia. Like the bulb in an ancient lighthouse, he's warning us of dangerous shoals ahead. Because we're the same people as them, aren't we? We are the brood of vipers. We are those people who have come out to hear the message, to be baptized, and to try to prepare for the coming of the Savior. Because Jesus has an appointed return. He will come back, and he will separate the wheat from the chaff, the good trees from the trees that don't produce good fruit. And this is good news. If you're prepared, right? If you're wheat or a fruitful tree, that is good news that Jesus is coming back. If you're chaff or you're a tree that produces crab apples, right? That is not good news. So are his words, are his words of how to be prepared still valid? Like that by sharing is one of the ways we prepare. Well, between these words of John and us, a profound, a profound monument stands. That is the cross of Christ. Right on the cross, Jesus took the monumental and total failure of the world to obey the law of God, both in our hearts and through our actions upon himself. He took all that weight upon himself. He took all of fallen human nature upon himself. And he absorbed the punishment and the wrath of God for that. And through his death and resurrection, through faith in him, You and I can be forgiven and absolved and washed clean of all that sin. 
and set free to love God and to love others. Now, does this freedom release us from any obligation to the law? Can we just say, Pshaw, I don't need to give away anymore. I don't need to say, I don't need to share because I've been forgiven. I'm set free. I'm good. I've punched my ticket. Is that how that works? No, not at all. Not at all. The law of God, his commands to us, his description of what a first, a faithful person's life is like. That's what the law really is. It describes what faithful life is like. Those things still should call to our hearts to sacrifice and to love and to give selflessly. Those commands still speak into our hearts and they confront those hard places inside of us where we really, where we really are not, where we really still feel in bondage to sin. Right? The law really speaks into that and seeks to break that like a sledgehammer on concrete. The law does. John's message about how to prepare is to give generously, to share with others. Are we listening to his words? Or have we become hardened in our own hearts? Have we become comfortable? Comfortable with what we have, what our life is like. Comfortable with our sense of security that those things give to us. John has warned us that the bishop is coming over. The bishop is coming to our houses. He is coming and unlike our bishop in Sacramento, Jesus will open up our closets. What will he find in there? In my closet, he's going to find a lot of coats. Too many. Too many coats. And in my pantry, he's going to find a lot of food. More food than I need right now. What's he going to find in your house? Lord, forgive us. And help us to prepare for your return. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you. Thank you for your mercy, for your grace, and for your love. Thank you, Lord, for the hard words of John the Baptist. Lord God, we know that we are not saved by sharing. We know that we would never be able to do enough good works and generous actions for another person, Lord God, to to wipe our slate clean of our own sins. Lord, we are only saved through your grace and mercy and love. But Lord, let us not be complacent. Let us not become smug or self-satisfied in that, Lord. But rather, may we always be challenged by your word to be generous, to be kind, To give away, Lord God. It's so easy to think that we are prepared by holding on to extra. And that makes sense in this world, Lord. But in your economy, we are prepared by giving away. So that someone else can have what they need right this very moment. And Lord God, we know and understand as well that all our preparation can go up in smoke in a moment. 
Lord, in all that we have sought to and held on to to secure our lives and to protect us can be rendered obsolete almost instantaneously, Lord. And so we come to you, the only source of protection, the only source of defense, the only one, Lord God, who can who can hold us fast and guard our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be generous, help us to be kind, help us to be able to inventory and to give away, Lord God, what is extra, and to entrust our lives to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us the people who are in need. Show us who needs a coat. Show us who needs a meal. And help our hearts to break for them and us to see the the bonds of our common humanity that we share. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to serve and to give away. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.